Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll be in the book of Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 through 20, and Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 through 18. The title of this sermon is, All the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. Here is the first half of this two-part study. Amen. So Genesis chapter 12, we kind of touched on last week, the first seven verses of it. So as we make the transition from uh, uh, to Abram's story now, we begin the, the, the story of the Hebrew nation and the family of Abraham. Now you have to remember that he's 75 years old when he goes out. He doesn't even get the first inkling of that he's going to have a descendant until he's 86 years old and then he gets a little bit more information when he's 99 years old so imagine in faith knowing that there's going to be a child coming but you're waiting all that time and at the same time your wife is getting older and so it's, it's, it's a remembrance of the faith that Abram had. And, and look, it's not a perfect faith. The covenant's not, it, it, the covenant is not just built on what Abram does. It's what God does. God keeps the covenant. Because Abram's going to make a bunch of mistakes here we're fixing to find out about uh, this week. And then we're going to see lots of mistakes. Um, and, and so we're going to get into some of this today, and it's just a reminder, as we continue the rest of the book of Genesis, we will be dealing with the family of Abraham, and, uh, and, and so that's an important thing to think about. So just to recap, last week we talked about the single command, get out of your country. So that's all he was asked to do, is to get out of your country, and I'll tell you where you're going to go. He had no clue where he was going to go. He had the promises that were given to him. Go to the land I'll show you. I'll be there. I'll take you. I'll go with you. Um, And then he has the second promise, which is I will make you a great nation. I'll make you a great nation. And and so the family lineage will become a great nation. And that promise is is still being fulfilled today. And then we have the, the promise of I will make you a blessing. Uh, the prophetic promise of those that bless Israel will be blessed and those that curse Israel will be cursed. And so, and then it also says, and then all you and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that comes from the Messiah. And we spoke about that, the lineage of the Messiah uh, last week. And so the key to Abraham's faith is very simply his obedience. 
his obedience. And one of the things I want you to get out of this, as we didn't cover this last week, is in James chapter 2, verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. The friend of God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Are you not our, our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? In Isaiah 41, 8, But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I am chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend. And so one of the things that's very important as we think about this faith and obedience and faith is we have this, do we have that same relationship as he is our friend, right? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Are you a friend of God, right? That's the song, right? Are you a friend of God? And so what do friendships have? Well, they, they know each other very intimately, right? That's what friendships are. And that's really what should be happening in fellowship within the church as we walk through life together. Friendships are we, we not only like each other, but we love each other as friends, right? We have shared interests, meaning that I know things about the other person as they know everything about me. God knows everything about me, but I'm to learn about God, right? Do I spend time? Because that's what we do with our friends. We spend time with our friends, right? But one of the things we also do is we help protect our friends, and we're there for them when they need us. See, Abraham's friendship with God was based on that everlasting covenant. And Abraham's faith, and as we go from Abram to Abraham, as he's given that title, he's given that title at 99, and he still has no children. And, and, and yet he's still faithful in following God. We are to be a, a friend of God, knowing that we have a Messiah, Jesus, that wants a relationship with us. One of the things we have to remember, too, is, you know, as he takes Lot, there's partial obedience there, not full obedience. He was told not to take family, and he took Lot. And so, and then also the Canaanites, which we talked about last week, they are going to be a problem and a, and a thorn in the side for the Israelites for some time. And actually, the Canaanites are actually descendants of the Lebanese country. Uh, so the real, you know, when we get into these verses today, just remember these are real places, real people. And that's what I always try to remind people as you study the Bible is to remember these are real places. We also know that one of the things that he did is he continued to worship God. Uh, as we see, as he was in Bethel, he made an altar to the Lord. That was one of the things that Abram did. He always worshiped God. But now we're going to see the problem that begins with Abram. And this will be one of many. So I, I want you to get this, so it's very important. Now, I, I've told you all about grace. But the, the, the most important thing is to remember, you need to repent first. Like if you're in something you're not supposed to be in, you need to repent. You can't just go, I got freedom of grace and do whatever I want. That's, that's not what we teach, just to make sure we get that. But we see here... In verse 10, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt and dwelled there, for the famine was severe in the land. So who told Abram to leave to Egypt? Nobody. God didn't. Did he seek God? Right? 
Did he seek God? Did he, did he look to, um, for answers for uh, what, where am I supposed to go? What, is, what am I supposed to do? And do you realize that as he takes this step of faith and he enters the land of Canaan, one of the things that we see is all, often when, and this is from Warren Worsby, is sometimes when we have tests, we're often, it is, it's often uh, followed by triumphs. Remember we talked about how you, you're either entering the valley, you're in the valley, you're out of the valley, but you're on those mountaintop moments, and you have those mountaintop moments where everything's great, and you have those triumphs, and that's where the test happens. God wants to see where you're at. He's testing your relationship. And the enemy loves it too because he thinks, well, you know, we, we just got done doing this for the Lord. And, you know, and, and at the end of the day, what happens is that test comes. And so uh, one of the things we have to do is we have to see God for an answer. That's the thing we need to remember. We need to see God for an answer. We don't, we don't take off and say, well, there's going to be a severe famine. Could could God sustain Abram during the famine? Yes. Could God had blessed Abram to help other families during the famine? Yes. But he was very quickly ready to leave, and he wasn't trusting in a sovereign God. And please understand, at this moment, Abram's not fully... Like, he's just learning how to do this. And to him, this God may be no different than some other false God that he followed while he was in the other land that his fathers followed. So he's learning how to trust God. And that comes from working on the relationship. And he's going he's gonna to fall into to further trouble here. But our, our, our faith is going to be tested. And, and, and we need to understand, just like when our faith is tested, it, it, should, it should bring clarity through God's will and God's purpose and God's direction in our life. And yet what happens is when we don't see God, a lot of times what we do is we put ourselves in situations that we should not be in. We put ourselves in situations that we should not be in. And so he didn't see God, and, and, it, and it ends up becoming a bigger problem down the road. And so we need, to, we need to remember that as God can sustain him through the famine, he could have stayed. He could have saw God. He could have said, hey, God, what do you want me to do? But do we do the same thing, right? Things not going our way. Uh, I'm very famous for this, I'll be honest. I want an answer today. I need, I need an answer today. Let me call. Let me make some. Let me, hey, who else do I got to talk to? And that's not always a good thing. We need to allow God to work. God's not only working in your life, but He may be working in somebody else's as well. And so when we have those turbulence that happen in our life, and it's going to happen, um, we, we, need to, we need to seek God. We need to seek God. In verse 11 it says, And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai his wife, Indeed I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance, Therefore, it, it will happen when the Egyptians see you they, uh, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for our sake, that I may live because of you. 
So now uh, he is worried about, and you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute. You know, Sarah's uh, in her 60s, and you're thinking, who's going to hit on a 60-year-old, right? I mean, let's be real. Another 60-year-old, hopefully. But the reality of it is, is like we have to remember we're, we're coming after the flood. And so the genetics haven't been washed out yet, okay? And I think this is something that we forget, that, that the, we're coming post-flood, and disease is still entering into the world. The reason why we see more disease into this world is because the sin is doing what it's supposed to do. Kill. Destroy. It's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. And so we see that happening. And so when it says she's beautiful, she's beautiful. And, and to the point where he knows if somebody sees her, they're going to take him as his wife. And that's what his concern is. But what does he do? What is the problem here? One, he's lying. So now he's gone from not trusting God, right, to lying. We just spoke about lying last week, right? Or two weeks ago, we spoke about lying and how important it is for us to tell the truth. And yet here, here's the other problem. Big problem. Abram's asking his wife to lie. You don't do that. I'm just FYI. And it doesn't matter. Remember we talked about those little, little white lies? Tell them I'm not here. No, you're there. You need to pick the phone up and talk to them. Don't put your wife in a situation to lie for you. Now, he's worried that, that Sarah is going to be taken, and if they take her as a wife, they'll kill him. But who put himself in this situation? Abram did. Abram did by not following God. Abram did by not seeking God. Abram put himself and his family in this situation. He's not seeking God. And the saddest part about that is he's asking his wife to lie. Not only is he sinning, but he's saying, I need you to sin too. Remember what I told you, y'all, sin is like a ripple effect. It, it's not just going to impact you. It's going to impact everybody around you. And you can be in a whole other state and it impacts you. Seriously. It's, it's a major deal. Verse 14, so it was when, when Abram came into the Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful the princes of uh, Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. Now you're, wait, you're going, wait a minute. Now Pharaoh's only doing this because he thinks that that's her brother. He's making an exchange for his sister. And you may think, well, you're getting a blessing out of this. No, you, you need to learn a lesson from this. And unfortunately, Abram doesn't learn a lesson from this because he does it again. He does it a few more times. But, verse 17, so who's going to be affected by Abram's sin and Sarah's sin? The Pharaoh. 17 says, but the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Now, we can get into a whole thing about adultery here. He shouldn't have taken because that was Abram's wife. Like, that's a whole nother argument besides lying. Like, you put your wife in another position that's wrong, absolutely wrong. You're married. It's like, it's just wrong. 
Hebrews 13.4, marriage is an honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. But we see Abram repeats the same thing 20 years later. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, he's 99 years old. He didn't learn. He didn't learn. He takes the same thing that he did before, and he does it all over again. And why not? Because the plague wasn't affecting him. Who was it affecting? Pharaoh. Sin's not affecting me, but I'm going to keep doing it because it's not affecting me, but it's affecting other people around you. I got a friend of mine who's, who's uh, I don't even know the patience that man has for his kid, but he won't walk away from, from that addiction of alcohol. And it's, it, it has wrapped up so many people in that sin. And at some point, as a father, you have to just say, hey, look, bro, you got to go down the road. you got to go down. There's, I, I, I can't keep pulling you out of jail. can't put, keep putting you in rehab. I can't keep calling in favors for you. You need to face the consequences of your sin. And if that means you got to do time in jail, then you got to do time in jail. If that means God has to take you away from your addiction, and the only way it can happen is by you going up, it'd be better for you because it's affecting every other person that you get in contact with because you're telling them you're a Christian. You go rehab, you're good for a couple of days, and you're back to the alcohol again. Your sin has consequences, and it affects people around you. And Pharaoh called Abram in verse 18 and said, What is this that you have done to me? He knew immediately, like, Hey, bro, what did you do to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say that she, she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. So we know he didn't take her as his wife. But you're trying to figure out, well, who told him? Did Sarah tell him? Hey, bro, we can't get married. I'm married. Right? Well, we don't know. God, the scripture doesn't give us that. But he figured it out. He said, why did you, why did you say that she was my sister? I, I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go on your way. And so Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that they had. The thing that we need to remember is if we're going to be a blessing to others, the only way that's going to happen is from us being in the will of God. We need to be in the will of God. That's important for us to remember. Remember Jonah? Jonah did the same thing. Jonah's on the boat. And they're, they're being tossed in the boat. And they know somebody's cursed. They start casting lots. And they're like, who brought this on the boat? Jonah did. They threw him off the boat. I'm like, bro, you got to go. As soon as that happens, the water calms down. And then Jonah swallowed up by a fish. If God's called you to do something, he's called you to do it. And he will move things into place like you've never thought. Because I'm sure Jonah never thought he'd be swallowed up by a fish. And in a fish for three days. But Jonah's at the bottom of the boat. That's the, the craziest part of that story. Is Jonah's at the bottom of the boat sleeping like there's no care in the world. And Jonah's in sin because he's in disobedience with God. It's the same thing with Abraham. Or Abram, I'm going to do that all the time. Abram's done the same thing. He's gotten things, gifts from the Pharaoh. Like he's doing good. Like, man, I got more stuff when I got here for lying. Don't play that game. Don't you play that game with the, the devil. Thinking that he's blessing you for, well, oh, man, I'm getting this, this, and this. And, man, all I had to do was say this other thing that's a lie. And I got all this stuff. Don't you play the game. It's, your lie will be revealed. Your sin will be revealed. 
You may think there's a blessing in it for a little bit of time, but it will be revealed. See, look at it already in chapter 13. Didn't think we were going to do it. We're going to do it. Miss Donna was worried. We're going to get through it, I promise. These, these are self-explanatory, these two chapters. That's why. There's a lot, just a basic, basic theology. There's not a whole lot of deep digging. Um, but it, what, what's beauty about it is there's so much for us to learn from, from Abram. Because we're just like Abram, right? In verse 1 it says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, and he and his wife and all that he had, and with Lot, uh, Lot went them uh, to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. So we're saying that now over time, Abram's massed a, a lot of livestock. He's, he's been blessed, and that, that blessing's already being answered by God. It's silver and gold that he has. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. And between Bethel, uh, Bethel and Ai, and to the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. I love that. He calls on the name of the Lord. And, and it's a reminder that the, the place is there where he had worshipped God. And for us to remember the commitment that we are to have to, to have that time with God as well. That we, we carve out our time with the Lord. In verse 5 it says, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them as they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of, of the livestock of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the uh, uh, Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So there is not enough space for Abram and Lot. There's not enough room for their livestock, so they have to move. There's strife that's happening. They're fighting. The, the herdsmen are fighting with each other. And, and what an what a ungodly example, because these, these men were supposed to be known as men of God, the God of Israel, the God of Abram, Right? And here you have division and fighting. And it's happening with the Canaanites and the, and the Perizzites. And, and the reason it's happening in front of them is they're worshiping false gods. Right? They're worshiping false gods. And we remember that for us, our example should always be as a follower of Christ to be the example of Christ. In John 13, 35, it says, By this all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We, we have to represent God correctly. And, and I love the way that Abram handles this because we're going to be dealing with strife this weekend, corrupt talk, bitterness. And, and this just ties right into our verses for Ephesians this week. And, and so it's important, uh, like God is trying to remind us, that, that we are to be a godly example and how we handle things should be. I mean, this is a great example of the way that Abram handles us. How does he handle it? With no pride. Very humble. Very humble. And that's important for us to remember. That's, it's hard because what do we want to do? We want our point to be heard. Right? I, I, I want to be heard. I want, and that's pride. We need to be humble. And Abram's going to do that. Verse 8, it says, So Abram said to Lot, Now, we wouldn't be in this problem if somebody had been left at home. 
okay? This is what partial disobedience causes. Now, it took years for this to build up, and it's going to continue to be a huge problem for Lot. Huge problem. And so Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me. And between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, we are brethren. We're brothers. We're brothers. First, he says very, very blunt off the bat, we are the two leaders, right? We're the two leaders. Let there be no strife between us as leaders, right? Sometimes leaders get very, like they want to, they get like bulls in a, in a china shop. They both want their ways and neither one of them wants to humble themselves and that's not how we're supposed to be. Well, this is how we do it. Well, there may be a new way of doing it. Why don't you let the other person take a shot, right? Give it, a, give it a shot. Let's see what happens. And they may do it and you go, okay, we'll never do it that way again. But it's okay. At least you let them be heard. Right? But then he says, not only there be strife between, no strife between you and me. But then he says, as leaders, right? As leaders, there should be no strife between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. Because we set the example. We set the example. For me in the house, I set the example as the leader of the home. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 